Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. So I'm going to go first of all to 2 Kings chapter 6 because although we're doing this series and we're looking at the notes and all those kind of things, I said last week I don't just want to just read out the notes, I want this, if we're talking about prophecy I want it to be prophetic, I want to be going with the things that we feel God is doing at the moment and in the time because we don't just think God spoke and left us a book, we think he speaks, he helps us to understand what he's doing now and that's what prophecy is all about. So uh, there is a prophet in the Old Testament. As you continue, we're going to see the difference between Old Testament and New Testament prophecies. But in the Old Testament, there's a prophet by the name of Elisha. And this is one of the things that happened to him. And it it explains something about what the prophetic gift did. And then it will help us to be able to think about it for ourselves too. It said, when the king of Aram was at war with Israel, he would confer with his officers and say, we will mobilize our forces at such and such a place. But immediately Elisha, the man of God, would warn the king of Israel, do not go near that place for the Arameans are planning to mobilize their troops there. So the king of Israel would send word to the place indicated by the man of God. Time and time again, Elisha warned the king so that he would be on the alert there. The king of Aram became very upset about this. He called his officers together and demanded, which one of you is the traitor? Who's been informing the king of Israel of my plans? It's not us, my lord, the king. It's not, my, it's not us, my lord, the king, one of the officers replied. But Elisha, the prophet in Israel, tells the king of Israel, even the words you speak in the privacy of your own bedroom. <laughs> Go and find out where he is, the king commanded. Nobody wants to know what is being said in bedrooms. <laughs> So I can send troops to seize him. And the report came back, Elisha is at Dothan. So one night the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. Don't be afraid. Say that. Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than on their side. Then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. And the Lord opened the young man's eyes. And when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. As the Aramean army advanced towards him, Elisha prayed, O Lord, please make them blind. So the Lord struck them with blindness, as Elisha had asked. Then Elisha went out and told them, you've come the wrong way. This is not the right city. Follow me and I'll take you to the man you're looking for. And he led them to the city of Samaria. As soon as they'd entered Samaria, Elisha prayed, O Lord, now open their eyes and let them see. So the Lord opened their eyes and they discovered they were in the middle of Samaria. And then basically he lets them off and doesn't kill them. So, little illustration of this. Who can be good for this? John Carlo, of course. Um, is great at this kind of thing. So we're just going to put this, um, that's it, he doesn't need his glasses on for this because we're going to put the blindfold on. Here he is. Um, when you become a leadership resident at Ivy, you get asked to do all kinds of different things. Okay, I'm going to spin you around a little few times. One, two, three, four. Don't be afraid, don't be afraid. 
Don't be afraid. Okay. Now, what I want you to do, we, we haven't done the health and safety check on this, to be honest with you. What I want you to do is, is go up to the, uh, the, the place I was speaking from and pick up my Bible. Help him out a bit. Okay, give him a big round of applause. Well done, mate. It, it was over there. See, it's really not easy, is it? Even you've got all these kind of voices around you telling you what to do and trying to help you and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's not easy to be able to know where you're going, even though you think you might know, you might know where you're going. So, um, you know, we've got, to, we've got to be aware of that. And, and what we're going to look at is how can we see with the Spirit? Is there a way for us to be able to see with the eyes of our heart and how do we see the bigger picture because that's what this guy who was with Elisha needed to see he he could see the little picture he could see the stuff that was in front of him but he needed to be able to see the bigger picture in order to be able to see the way that, that God wanted him to be able to see so then he could do the things that that God wanted him to do and um, so um Yes, so I'm going to be reading the notes from what Mark has put and um, if you can follow it along in your Bible you might find that that's helpful for you because we need to be able to learn to be able to see with the eyes of our spirit. That was pretty good wasn't it? It was just a trick. But I, I hope it will help you to be able to remember because there's two ways of seeing. That's what we're going to look at. There was a guy years ago who, who was, whose name was Thomas Kuhn. We've got a, a picture of a rabbit up here. Or is it a duck? What is it? I can see both. And that was the point. Yeah? Is it a rabbit? Is it a duck? Depends which way you look at it. Who can see the duck? Who can see the rabbit? Who can see both? You've got to switch, haven't you? You've got to not just look at one way of being able to see it. You've got to decide. And that's what he coined the phrase, what was called a paradigm shift. And the paradigm shift means you have a different way of seeing. It's the same thing, but now you're looking at it in a different way. And so we're we're in this series. We're looking at um, prophecy. We're going to be finding out how we can hear from God. But actually, a lot of that is to do with seeing. A lot of it is to do with the way in which we see. And and actually, what we have to see first, what we have to see and accept, is the existence of a spiritual realm beyond the physical. And this is difficult for us in our Western mindsets, post-enlightenment, all those different kinds of things. People are a lot more willing and ready to accept the basis of what they can see and touch and feel. And the whole idea of something spiritual just seems a bit fuzzy and airy-fairy and, you know, well, that's not really for me. But we have to start to see differently. If we're going to see the things of God, we have to accept the reality of a spiritual realm outside of the physical world. So then we can enter into that and we can actually start to see God differently and see people differently and see people's lives start to change. And we have to do that in order to be able to see 
the big, bigger picture. Jesus' first sermons when he came into town, he would, he would, when he first starts out reading Mark's gospel, he came and he said, repent. In other words, turn around, change your mind, for the kingdom of heaven is, is near. And it's like, actually, heaven's close. They had this picture of heaven being up there, but it's like, no, heaven's all around us. There's, like a, there's dimensions intersecting all the time. There's spiritual realities that are going on all around us all the time. But we have to change our ways of seeing and not just see physically. We have to start to see spiritually. And that's what tonight is all about. When you start to, do, to make that, that shift, all kinds of things start to change. You start to see in the spirit. And when you see in the spirit, you see things differently. We just took up an offering here. There was a time when Jesus was questioned by a very rich young man in front of his disciples and he came up to Jesus and he said, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? It's like, I, I'm, I think I'm living a good life. I think I'm a good person, but I'm not sure. So what do I have to do? And Jesus gave a, an overview of the, of the commandments and, and he needed to obey. And he said, yeah, I'm, I'm good with those. I've, I've looked after those and done those things since I was a little boy. And up until this point, everything's going well. But then the conversation takes a bit of a weird turn. And probably everybody listening thinks Jesus is losing the plot here in some way. Because Jesus then unexpectedly tells this guy, he doesn't tell everybody, but he tells this guy, what I want you to do now is go and sell everything that you own and give to the poor. He didn't say give it all to the poor. He just says, sell everything that you own and give. Don't just live to get. Start to give. And then he says that the young man went away sad. Why? Because he had great wealth. We would think, well, you've got to be happy if you've got great wealth. He went away sad because he had great wealth. See, for everybody else would be looking and seeing this rich young guy, really good leader, obviously. They're going to think he's, he's bound to be the next disciple. He's number 13. Because... You know, Jesus has picked a bunch of losers so far, most of us. But look at this guy, he's amazing. But Jesus sees what nobody else sees. And he sees this guy's got an idol. He sees that he's got something else that he worships. Something else is in first place, other than him, other than God. And so despite the fact that he's got all of this leadership influence and maybe he's got some political nous and, can, and he's got money behind him and all those kind of things... Jesus says, you know what, you can see that, but I see something else. When I look at him. See, they couldn't see it with their limited understanding, but Jesus was actually answering the rich young man's question. That's what he was doing. He was saying, there is something going to stop you from entering and inheriting eternal life. It's, it's money. It's your relationship. It's how you see money. And if you saw money differently... You'd spend money differently because you'd realise what money can do and what money can't do. There's things that money can do and there's lots of things money can't do. And then he says, and if you'd learn to give, give to the poor, you're going to see a whole different way of living. See, this explains something of the difference that Jesus had when he came to the earth. Jesus was able to see the bigger picture he was able to say to people, repent for the kingdom of heaven is close at hand because he'd come from heaven and he'd come to bring heaven to us and he wanted to open people's eyes to the reality of heaven invading because he was now come. And everybody else was making 
their decisions based upon the information that was presently at hand that they could see. But Jesus was able to see in the spirit, which meant he had a lot more accurate information than those around him. Which, if they, if they knew it, would make his inexplicable actions and words a lot more explainable. But when we only engage the physical senses, what we do is we exchange the eternal for the temporary. When we start to move in the gift of prophecy, what we're saying is we want to hear God and we want to bring what God is, is seeing and what God is saying. And we want to, you have to do that from his perspective because you're going to start to see things differently when we start to get into prophetic ministry. Seeing the world as it is, is not enough. We are, and seeing people as they are is not enough. We need to see the world as God sees it. We need to see people as God sees them. This is what is called seeing in the spirit. This involves seeing the physical eyes, seeing the physical world with our physical eyes, but seeing the spiritual world with our spiritual eyes, with the eyes of our heart. We sing, used to sing a song, Open the Eyes of My Heart. Good song, because it's a really good thing, a good prayer to pray. We're going to pray it tonight. Jesus established an important foundational principle on this subject when he said to his disciples in John chapter 5, verse 17, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. Jesus was like, I'm not, I don't just do what I want. Even though I'm the son of God, I only do what I see my father doing. Jesus knew what to do. He knew what God wanted. So he looked to what his father wanted and did what his father said in every situation. So if we want to know what God is up to, we become Jesus' disciples and we say, I just want that too. I want to see, Father, what you're doing in every situation. I want to see the bigger picture. How do we do that? Fortunately, the Bible tells us in Ephesians, there's this incredible prayer that the Apostle Paul prays for Christians in a church. This is not for non-Christians. This is for Christians. He says, I keep on praying. He's like, what I'm praying is that you get a spirit of wisdom and revelation. But then he says this. I love this. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. That's in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. He wants them to see in the spiritual realm not just in the physical realm. And for that to happen, we need to ask God to open the eyes of our hearts to see the bigger picture. You need to see not just the physical world and be blinded by it, but to see the spiritual, the things that God is up to as well. And this requires a radical approach, a different approach to everything. Because most of us are used to seeing with our physical eyes, aren't we? You know, it's the way we are. I remember years ago, there was a wonderful woman of God called Marilyn Baker. She, she put out these incredible worship songs and all that, and she was blind, and she had a lady called Tracy, and she was, she, uh, she was deaf, and the two of them together flowed in the Holy Spirit in the most incredible ways because they'd learned to rely not on their physical senses so much, but on the spiritual, and they, and they just would tap in to what the Holy Spirit was doing in a place and in people's lives. And in a way, 
those kind of, you know, sometimes what we think is our ability can end up limiting our ability. Because we over-rely on our physical senses and we miss what's really, really important. Because the eyes in our heart are what recognise the invisible realm. Whereas the eyes in our head only see what's going on in the physical. So, if we're going to see what God wants us to see, we're going to have to ask him to show us how he wants us to see in every situation. See, I'm like you. I see an immediate problem with my physical eyes and because they're so powerful. When I, was joining the, I went to join the police cadets at the age of 16, I went to Chester House, it's gone now, and I, and I had to go through all these different tests, medical, physical, chest x-ray, dum-dum-dum. And then finally, and they had an intelligence test, just so you know. And then you had to go through this eye test. And in those days, they wouldn't even, they wouldn't, you had, it, was, it was very difficult to get in the police if you wore glasses. So I did this eye test, and I've always had really good eyes. I was always the guy who could spot the number on the bus before anybody else. And, you know, I've always prided myself on very good eyesight. And so I, I went through all these different tests, and finally I had all these depth perception tests and things like that. And I was like, yep, yep, tick, 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 tick. And I went through them all. And at the end of it, the guy turned to me and he said, Mr. Delaney, you have sniper vision. And I thought, I went, oh. Because I thought, there's some condition. <laughs> it's like, he's just, he's just diagnosed some condition. I didn't even know I had it. I'm like, oh. I said, oh, does that mean I can't be in then? So he said, did you pass the intelligence test? <laughs> but because of that, our eyes can play tricks on us and we can think we know what's going on because we can see what's going on but we're not seeing what's really going on we're only seeing what we think is going on because we're only seeing with our physical eyes we're not seeing with the eyes of our spirit and our eyes don't tell us the whole story Jesus made this point very clearly when he said Matthew 6 22 the eye is the lamp of the body if your eyes are healthy your whole body will be full of light He's, 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 there's two extremes there's light and darkness however good my eyes are when the lights go out I can't see there's limitations on my physical abilities in the same way if I've got darkness on the inside of me I'm not going to be able to see spiritually I need Jesus to turn the light on he's the light of the world I need to say I want you to have more and more access bring more of your light into my life expose every dark place in my life let your light really shine in every part of my life and as you start to pray that kind of prayer, you start to see more and more of what's really going on in the spirit. Don't just pray, God, let me see what's going on out there. He's really interested in what is going on in here. This is where he wants to bring the light. Don't go thinking, I'd love a prophetic word for somebody else. He's got a word for you. He's got some things he wants to say to you. And they might not be things you like. They might be challenge. They might stretch you. They might push you. They might say, I need you to change this. No matter how accurate our physical eyes are, they don't always tell us the whole truth. See, Jesus once said this, do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? He said that because they learned to see in the physical, but they were hopeless at seeing in the spiritual. I think, I know what that's like. I think I can know, I can look at something, I can think I know what's happening. Because I'm just engaging with the physical. Whereas spiritual realities, I'm, I've been totally blind to. 
because I've not been given the same amount of time. I mean, some of us actually just don't give much time for God to be able to speak to us at all. Some of us are really good at giving lots of time to the devil, by the way. You know, if the devil wants to tell you you're useless, you're hopeless, you're rubbish, you'll really listen to that. But why, you know, all I'm saying here is, should we give God at least equal opportunity Amen. rather than just listening to lies and the devil? What about us actually opening ourselves up to God and saying, I want you to speak truth to me. In fact, when you do, I want to believe it. I want to believe what you say about me, not just those words that come that are not from you. So I'm not saying we shouldn't use our physical eyes. I'm not saying we should drive out of here today with our eyes closed and say, Lord, lead me home by your spirit because that wouldn't be good. But we do need to learn to see in the spirit and that happens when we see with the eyes of our heart and we pray, open the eyes of my heart because relying on our physical eyes limits God to our level of understanding. You've been hearing a lot and listening a lot so I want you to just stand up and stretch to wake yourselves up yep. bit of a stretch come on come on come on come on big stretch lean that way lean that way high five somebody very quietly very quiet high five nice sit down got a bit more to do is that okay somebody encouraged me that this is all right good because we weren't going through this I can keep on doing that because it's not all my material if, if, you, if there's anything good it's probably Mark Isles good we're living by faith, not by sight. That's what the Bible says. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. See, living by faith, we've made it. Some people, they go off and they have a ministry and they haven't got any means of financial support. They're not paid by a church. So we say, oh yeah, they're living by faith. But the Bible actually says every Christian is meant to live by faith. There's no other way to live as a Christian than by faith. But the problem is we can end up living by sight. Even if you're living by faith you could end up living by faith, by sight. If you start thinking people are your provision. You know? If you start thinking the money's going to come from them, if I write a really good newsletter and, and cry, or you know, put tears on it so it's wet when it arrives, or whatever, if I do that kind of thing, then maybe that's going to help them to be able to... Then you're living by faith, but you're not. You're really living by sight. I just made that up. It's not in his notes. <laughs> Living by faith means you've got to see the bigger picture. You've got to see what our faith sees in the invisible, not just depend on what our eyes see in the visible. The definition of faith, faith is defined, in case you wonder what faith is, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. And it makes this point very clearly. It says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for. Hope is a very important word for us this year. Faith is the assurance, the confidence of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. It's like I can't see it, but I know it's there. Amen. I can't see it with my physical eyes, but I know God's going to do it. Faith is fundamentally about what you can't see with your physical eyes. But you can see with your spiritual eyes. See, it starts when you, you give your life to, to Jesus Christ. When you, when you see an invisible God and you put your trust in him, that's how the Christian life starts. But for some people, that's where it stops. Where it's meant to just open up a whole new realm of seeing, of being. It isn't just that once I became a Christian and my eyes were opened up and I could see that God was there. He wants us to live by faith. 
He wants to live a new life by faith in him. And so every situation that you come to, you actually, you actually come to it with the realisation, there's more to this than meets the eye. God's up to something here. God's with me. God's doing something. Yeah. See, there was one of his guys called Doubting Thomas. That's what we end up calling him. And he's famous, in a way, for all the wrong things. And he gets a bit of a bad deal for it. But ultimately, when everybody else had started to see Jesus and Jesus has appeared, after he died, he rose again from the, the grave and, he, and he, he's walking into rooms. Some people think, why would he walk into rooms? I think as C.S. Lewis said, it wasn't because he was less real than the walls, it was because he was more real than the walls. See, this unseen reality, just because it's unseen, doesn't mean it's not real. It's more real. We're blinded. We're in the matrix. We think this is real. This is temporary. This is passing. This, we're talking about an eternal reality, which is so much more solid than solid. Because as you know and I know, and if Andrew Sherry was here to explain it, who's one of the amazing people at the church, you know, in a nuclear level, you've got all these molecules, haven't you? Everything's made up of molecules. And if you could get down to it, it's just made up of protons and neutrons and crutons just spinning around yeah and if you if instead we kind of got beyond that level and saw what God was doing so Thomas says I'm only going to believe if I can see for me seeing is believing if I can touch if I can see if I can put my fingers in the holes in his hands and in the place in his side then I'll believe and and Jesus is so gracious because he walks right through the walls and he steps up to him and he says Come on then, this is my paraphrase. It's like, here I am. And then he says, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. He's just addressing lovingly the mistake that Thomas was making. He was saying, you think you know, but you don't know. You think you see, but you don't see. Because you, you haven't seen the bigger picture. You need to see the invisible. Not be fooled by the visible. You need to start to see the invisible world with, and you only see that with your heart. You don't see it with your eyes. Faith is making decisions based upon what we see in heaven, not just what we see on earth. So how does God open the eyes of our heart? We need to recognise where's God at work? When is God at work? We need to get better at seeing with the eyes of our heart. And that involves sensing there is a sensing there is a feeling there is a recognizing spiritually when God's doing something different and sometimes you do feel it you know I'll be in a worship service and something's going on and I can sort of feel we've got to learn to move with what God is doing not just be rigid you've got to, you know when he's speaking to you you've got to grab hold of a promise and say I'm having that one yeah. and I'm having it not just me but I'm having it in this situation we've got to learn to move there's a relationship that's going on here I'll go into it Years ago, the first church I was involved with helping to lead was the most incredible prophetic man who led that church. And he literally, he, he would come in, he'd come into a, you know people have those photographs, lots of different photographs. He'd be able to come in and he would, he would know what was going on, on in people in the photographs and what was going on in their lives. He called out one guy, he pointed it to him and he said some stuff about him that only God would know about him. Incredible. I went in Exeter prison with him. I was in Exeter prison and uh, we were doing an alpha course. And um, this guy had 
been one of the people teaching on it and he invited me to come in and I'll never forget that there was this uh, guy, there's various people who made appointments to come and speak to him and get some prayer and this guy came and he said I don't believe any of this stuff by the way I've been on your course I've been on it a few of them but I don't really believe it and uh, I've got some questions that I want to ask you to sort it all out and he was really quite aggressive and you know and David was super posh and he just was like oh yes 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 um right well um uh, I don't think we'll be doing any other questioning thing. He said, we're going to pray for you. He said, in fact, Anthony's going to pray for you. And I'm like brand new to all this. Something like that. So uh, he said, Anthony will pray for you. And then he's just walking up and down. Now, I don't know this, but David's listening to God at this point, not listening to the man. Because he can see what's going on physically, but he wants to know what's going on spiritually. And you have to make a decision to do that. He could have addressed it physically. Instead, he's going to address it spiritually. So he steps back from that and gives himself some space. I now know what he was doing. I didn't know then. He was just leaving me on my own. So I start to pray for this guy. What's your name? Bill. Okay. Lord, thank you for Bill. Thank you that he's here. Oh no, that's not a good prayer. He's in prison. Uh, and like, fluffed it already. Just sort of make it, I start to ramble and bless him, help him, you know, just going on. Until eventually David like taps me on the shoulder, right, okay, you've had enough. And then he turns to this guy and he says, um, you, um, uh, God wants to speak to me, has been speaking to me, God wants to speak to you about your wife. He says, your relationship with your wife, there's something not right with your relationship with your wife. This guy goes, well, what are you talking about? He says, yeah, in fact, it's not with your wife, it's, it's with your brother. And in fact, there's something strange between your brother and your wife. And this guy suddenly goes white and he's like, oh, don't talk about that, don't talk about that. He says, well, God wants to break that relationship. There's something wrong with that relationship, it's not right. So God's going to deal with that relationship and you're going to get back with your wife. And in fact, he said, um, you're going to become an example to your son. He says, he says have you got, you've got a son? And, uh, and he's like 16. And uh, he's the middle one. And, uh, and God's going to use you to be an example to him and he's going to become a Christian. And this guy's going, oh, I don't know how that could happen. I've been here for years. I don't know how I could ever become an example to him except a bad one. So he said, well, you'll be an example to him because you're going to become a Christian. He said, well, I don't think I am going to become a Christian. He said, I've come here to tell you why I'm not going to become a Christian. So he says, well, I know that. He said, but you've, that's not what you've been telling God, is it? He said, because what you've been doing most nights, you've been reaching underneath your bed, you've been pulling out a photograph album and you get through that photograph album and you look through it and you've been looking at pictures in your family and you've said to God, if you're real then I'd love to be able to take out some of these photographs and have some new ones put in and God wants to do that. And this guy goes, okay, how do I become a Christian? Because <laughs> he had an encounter. Because he knew God was real and God, was, and God knew. And what he needed wasn't a bunch of answers off an alpha course. He needed to meet with God. And this is what we've got access to, guys. And afterwards, I walked out with David and I'm like you. I was like, waiting for the moment... As soon as we got out, I was like, okay, tell me. What was going on there? How did you do that? How did you know all that? He said, oh, I didn't know all of that. I said, well, you, did, you knew all of that because you said all of that. He said, well, I didn't know it all. He said, I just started with a... He said, Let me, he said, if you get a box of tissues, you just see the little edge of a tissue and you reach and you pull that one out and then another one pops up after it. Another one pops up. He says, but you, by faith, you've got to have the faith to reach and pull the edge of that tissue. And that's all I did. I think that's a key for a lot of this. Lots of us are thinking, well, if God laid out all the tissues and put them all out of the box, then maybe I'd have faith to believe in. That wouldn't be faith. 
And I don't know, but he just seemed to have conviction about things that were unseen. We need to be comfortable to accept that God is beyond our understanding, beyond our experience and our imagination. And when we do that, that opens up a whole new place for us, a whole new season of unexpected coincidences and God appointments and supernatural surprises and miraculous outcomes. See, we're clearly taught in the Bible that God is beyond our thinking and our understanding, aren't we? Let's have a look at that verse that says that. Isaiah chapter 55 says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways. My, way, my ways, declares the Lord. For as the high, just to repeat it, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. He, he thinks bigger, he thinks higher, he thinks different. Get used to it. Yeah. We think he can't, he thinks he can. One of us is right and it's not us. I wonder if we take this seriously. See, this specifically means why, what, and how we do things are usually very different from why, what, and how God does things. Not occasionally, usually. So we can't be predictable. There's another famous verse that people often quote, but do we really live out of it? Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 to 8 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths so there's a leaning who do you lean on who do I lean on most of the time I lean on my own understanding all kinds of situations I need to understand I'm going to lean on my own understanding God says trust in your trust in the Lord with all your heart there's a heart thing going on not a mind thing a heart thing and then he goes on to say this do not be wise in your own eyes in other words, don't go thinking you know better than God. That means if I let the eyes in my head guide me, I might end up pretty lost. If I think this is how I get to perceive things, I might end up in a dark place rather than in the light. If I rely on my own understanding, I can actually limit what God wants to do. Some of us need to repent of our own understanding. Because it's wrong. And instead, say, God, I don't want to limit you to my understanding. I don't want to do that anymore. And some of the things that God will do, there's a phrase that goes around and it keeps coming around in all kinds of circles, but it says this, God will offend the mind to reveal the heart. God will offend the mind to reveal the heart. I've heard that since 1990-something. Some things that God does will be like, I don't like that. I don't agree with it. And God, what God wants to do is show you your heart in that situation. Because his, high, his, his thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And I can think I know, and I don't. So as Elisha's servant discovered, we have to learn to see with the eyes of our heart. And actually it's interesting when you think about it. What, what, what was Elisha's servant shown? He was shown that, it, I, I've kind of looked at that before, it's just something that grabbed me when I read, it's good to reread the Bible, bits that you think you know. Because mm. I'd read it and I thought he was saying, there's more with us than, than them. You know, they've got a big army, but there's more with us. But actually he doesn't say that. What he says is, there's more with us than with them. 
Because there's a spiritual battle going on beyond the physical. The, the thing that he thought he could see was what, what, what got him scared was a physical battle. But Elisha was confident because he knew there was a spiritual battle and we were winning and going to win because there's a lot more angels than demons. And we've got to see that. That's why he could be confident. See, see, an attack coming against you will always put you in fear. Unless you confront it by faith, by seeing how God sees. Example, David and Goliath. Very helpful in looking how God gradually reveals things to the eyes of our hearts. David's journey one day, he gets sent by his dad to go and deliver lunch to his ungrateful brothers who were in the army and they're all standing around scared because fear is a spirit. If you've got fear, check the source because it ain't God. God did not give us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of soundness of mind. So if you've got any spirit that is not bringing you into power and love and soundness of mind, check the postmark, it ain't from heaven. Amen. David sees, first of all, what everybody else starts, everybody else sees the giant. They're looking at the physical aspect and they all see the giant and they're in fear because of the giant they're just seeing the physical David starts to see something more spiritual than that because he says what happens he says well every day this big giant comes out and he, he just rants and he raves and he, he frightens us and he shouts about what he's going to do to us and then David says how should this uncircumcised Philistine this guy who's not got a covenant with God defy the armies of the living God he's seeing differently He's not just seeing the physical, he's seeing the spiritual here. And he saw this spiritual reality that was going on. And when you start to see a spiritual reality, it opens up a whole other level of understanding and possibilities and actions. This awakening goes nowhere until Saul calls for him to come and meet him in his tent. And David bravely volunteers, I'll go and fight him. But during the conversation, even more spiritual truth starts to dawn on David. Because he looks back and he says, you know what? There's been times in the past when God has helped me to be a lion yes. and a bear. Yes. It's like, I, I, well, I couldn't have beat a lion and a bear. But God helped me to be able to do that. He's going to come with me into this. So that's another level of revelation that he starts to get. But he doesn't stop there. Because then David ends up going into the valley to face Goliath, as we see in this lovely picture. And he's come to this realisation that Goliath isn't fighting him. Who's Goliath fighting? God is the right answer. He says, you come against me with that spear and all that stuff. I come against you in the name of the Lord God who you have defied. It's like, you're not my enemy here. You're fighting God. Wouldn't want to be you. And, he said, and then he gets prophetic again because this is how he goes. The tissues, he starts to prophesy the doom, not only of Goliath, but of the whole Philistine army. He sees a bigger picture than just a giant. 
And he says, and as a result of this, the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And you know what? We still talk about this, don't we? Who's heard of David and Goliath? Everybody has heard of David and Goliath. It's just passed into something that we talk about. This story gets told over and over and over again. It's so famous. Now, if we genuinely follow the leading of the Spirit, contrary to other people's physical and logical interpretations, we may well face reasonable criticism from other people. But we have to go with what the Holy Spirit is telling us. We need to see the invisible to be able to do the impossible. There was a thing years ago. Um, my father-in-law worked on some of the first computers here in Manchester, and, and they had this. Uh, you know, they had, this was Joel's just done a project on it for when he's at uni, and they had these huge machines that filled rooms that were the first computers, and he was involved in all that. He had to punch stuff on cards, and then later on they came up with this idea where you didn't have to punch the cards. They thought somebody thought it would be great if we could just do this thing there, where what you actually see is what you get. And they, they did the work, the science to be able to do that, and this became a computer term. WYSIWYG or something like that. What you see is what you get. We need to learn to see the truth with the eyes of our heart. Not just the facts or the facts we think we know with the eyes of our heads. What you see is what you get. If you can start to see the invisible world with your spiritual eyes, then you'll be able to engage. We'll be able to engage as a church with a whole other level of spiritual truth. You're not going to come into a physical situations so much looking for physical solutions. You're not going to come to physical questions looking for physical answers. We'll be able to come into all kinds of things and say, Lord, what are you saying? What are you doing? What do you think? And it's just what we need to ask is that is to, is to continually have our minds renewed to be able to do that. Lord, I pray for those sirens going up and down the street and those involved Lord I pray that you would spiritually go with them that you would bless whether it's an ambulance or fire or police or whatever that you would bless those people and those they're going to help send angels send your help alongside those helpers into that situation and do miracles in Jesus name thank you Lord that all around us there's opportunities for us to engage on a spiritual level not just on a physical Every day, in every situation. We pray for our nation right now. So tossed about with so many questions. We pray, Lord, that you would be raised up. That your name would be exalted. That we would not fear and give way to fear. Because that's never going to help. But instead, Lord, we would see with the eyes of faith. And we would pray for those in authority, as you commanded us to do in this nation. That righteousness would be established. That justice would come. And that darkness would be held back. Every situation is an opportunity for us to step out of the temporal and into the eternal. Help us to do that more and more. Lord, open my eyes that I may see. Maybe you need somebody else to pray that for you, like Elisha's servant had. But you can just pray it yourself. Why don't you put your hands out? In fact, put your hands on your eyes, physical eyes. Lord, I'm so used to seeing, thinking and feeling 
on a physical level. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Speak in the, in the, the spirit, me. Not just the soul, not just the body, but spirit to spirit. More and more. Help me to have my ears open to hear you. Help my, me to have my eyes open to see what you're doing and what you can do. Please help me to not limit you to my own understanding. Help me to be alert to what you are doing in every circumstance, in every situation. somebody here tonight whose whose picture of God's provision has been that in your life that's just been like three tins of beans on a shelf that he's not got enough that you've not got enough so he's not got enough and that you need to shift that position by faith and actually see God's got more than enough and he said ask he's placed opportunities around you Break that scarcity mentality, Lord. There's no answers there. Thank you, Lord, that there's enough. There's always enough. You're always more than enough. Your grace is sufficient. Thank you, Jesus. Some of us too just... just In fact, why don't you stand? Just stand if you're able. And just pray a prayer. Lord, give me the courage, even this week, if I see the edge of a tissue, if that's all it is. If I just see the little edge of something that you might be saying to somebody, to kind of have the, have the courage to start to speak it out. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.